What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day. It's available wherever you get podcasts. And it's coming at you five days a week, free every single weekday. So make it a part of daily routine. Make it your first listen every single day. In today's show, we're talking about the Blazers. 122-113 loss to Atlanta. A perfect, perfect tanking night for the Or Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, Trent Watford had another good game. We'll talk about a little about my man Trendon. And then we'll check in on the Blazers' race to the bottom of the standings. After a, after a win, breaking up a six-game losing streak, the Blazers are back on the right path. Is that what this is? With a loss as they try to chase down the San Antonio Spurs and the Sacramento Kings to get closer to the one of the five worst records in the league. That's what we'll do. But first, let's, let's do what we do at this time. The fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 122-113 to the Atlanta Hawks. And the Blazers were in control early in this one. Up 34-29 after one. Up 67-58 at the break. And then they scored the first six points out of halftime. Took a 15-point lead. Nate McMillan takes a time out talks to his Atlanta Hawks and says yo the Blazers are not good can we be somewhat competitive in this game and the Hawks from there ripped off a 31 to 6 run uh Trey Young 21 points in the third quarter uh the Blazers didn't go away though you know they were only down five they they you know gave up their 15 point lead early in the third quarter but only down five heading into the fourth and it was close uh they had the ball down two with under four minutes left, and Josh Hart badly missed a three. And then Trey Young came down, and uh, Drew, uh, Drew Eubanks was called for a goaltend on what is by rule a goaltend, but what was in actuality Trey Young probably shooting a ball that was going to front rim ugly. Uh, Eubanks got a layoff it. They called it a goaltend. Hawks go up five. Blazers got the ball back, and Keon Johnson, or got the ball, you know, a couple possessions later, get the ball back. Keon Johnson hits a floater, draws a foul on Clint Capella. Blazer down to Keon at the line, chance to cut it to one. He misses a free throw. Hawks come down and hit a three, and that's pretty much the difference in your ball game. Hawks go up five with 70 seconds left. Blazers missed about four layups inside the final 70 seconds and never really threatened again after Keon's late missed free throw. And that's your fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 122-113. Another just absolutely monstrous Josh Hart first half. He had 28 in the first half of the other night on Saturday against the Wizards. 28 in the first half. I said he'll never do that again. He had 25 in the first half tonight. He did it again. 25 points on 9 of 12, 4 of 5 shooting, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Hart, you know, he's, he, if he's going to hit four threes and a half, the Blazers are going to be competitive. Literally any game. Uh, it's, it is indeed a talent league. And if Josh Hart plays like he's that good... They're going to be in it. He finished with 31 points, just six after halftime, seven boards, four assists. Trenton Watford, 22 points, nine rebounds, four blocks. Drew Eubanks, 16 and 10. Uh, Blazers got eight off the bench and a really productive first half from C.J. Ellaby. And I don't know why I skipped him, but Brandon Williams, 20 points and six assists. Continues to be dude who can score. And Brandon Williams, Hawks were led by Trey Young. He had 21 21, 5, and 7 in the first half. 21 points, 5 boards, and 7 assists in the first half when I thought the Blazers defended him pretty darn well. He still had 21, 5, and 7. Then he erupted for 21 in the in the third quarter. Basically, once the Blazers got control, Trey started to say, okay, I'm going to score every time down the floor. I bet you can't guard me. He was right. He finished with 46 points and 12 assists in 39 minutes. Hit 5 of 14 from 3. His teammates... 
boy, did they struggle from deep. The non-Trey Youngs in this game go 7 of 34 from distance, and it felt like it. Bogdanovich goes 1 for 8, and it felt like it. Uh, DeLon Wright tried not to shoot threes and then still ended up missing the two that he took. Kevin Herter, 2 of 9 from deep. You know, 5 of 14 is not even a good shooting night for Trey Young, right? Like, it's it's pushing towards league average, but it's like, this is not exactly like a like an all-world shooting night. His teammates were way worse. How the Blazers got were a little bit lucky in the first half just with how bad Atlanta shot it. But I mean, that's kind of that's it. The calculation is anybody but Trey. And then when they couldn't make it anyone but Trey, they lost this game. Um like, like I said at the top of the show, this was close to the perfect tank. Like this is like kind of exactly what you'd like from a tank job. Um the Blazers were competitive. The game was fun. Josh Hart looks good. Trenton Watford looks good. Good. Brandon Williams looks good. Drew Eubanks continues to look a little bit better. You're getting all these positives. You're in the game. The game's competitive in the final seven minutes, and then you lose. That's a perfect tank. Uh, the Blazers need to lose for draft picks. They need this. This needs to end in an L, regardless of how it goes down. And it worked out for them. They were <laughs> they were able to pull it off. Like this is this is the perfect tank. Um, entertaining game competitive and entertaining game that ends with a loss is absolutely the ideal setting uh for the Blazers moving forward. I like there's there's no other way to put it. This is this is perfect forum. So, uh one of the the parts of this being perfect was that I thought Trent Watford was just great in this game. Um but it strikes me that when we're watching Trent Watford, we're watching him play really well in a role that in the future, he won't have. So let's talk about what that future might look like. This was inspired by a question from a friend of the program, Eric Griffith, and uh, Lamar Hurd, Blazers broadcaster, who was talking a little bit about it on the broadcast today. Let's let's talk about sort of what what future trending might look like. Uh, before we do that, though. I want to tell you about Bet Online. That's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We're heading into a great betting week here in the United States of America. Uh, the NCAA tournament is this weekend. The women's and men's NCAA tournaments, both fantastic uh, betting betting opportunities because there's just a kajillion games uh, all weekends long, uh, heading basically from Wednesday to Sunday. Get it in Wednesday. You can you can get in on all the action on Bet Online. If you don't want to bet on college hoops, you can bet on uh, pro basketball. You can bet on who's going to land where. In, the, in uh, the NFL free agency, you can bet on N- the NHL, you can bet on tennis tournaments, you can bet on soccer, whatever it is, you're going to find more lines, more props, more odds on everything. So go to betonline.net. That's betonline where the game starts. All right. So we talked about the Blazers' loss, a productive loss. To those, uh, to those pesky Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks aren't very good. Uh, they barely beat the Pacers, a team that has worse record than the Blazers uh, the night before when Trey Young had 47. He has to come back and have, uh, you know, 46 in this one. Uh, they they rely on their superstar a, a great deal. Uh, but entertaining game, good loss. And part of the entertaining game was that Trent Watford had 22. He's now had 20 uh, points in three consecutive games. His prize, he set his career high uh, three games ago. He had 22 points. He had 27. Set his another career high on Saturday when he had a really nice night against, against the Wizards. And tonight, 22 points, nine rebounds, two assists, four block shots against uh, against the Hawks. And it, it got me thinking, not that, um, you know, 
I, I like Trenton Watford. Like if you're a long time listener to the show, I like Trenton Watford. I like his game. Um, I like his attitude. I just like him as a player. Um, I like that he's, I like that he's, um, he doesn't, he's like a below the rim star. I like his passing ability. I like his creativity. I like his, um, I like that he overpowers when he sees a little dude, he says, I'm going to overpower him. When he sees a big dude, he tries to quick pass him. Or if not, he'll try to overpower the big dude as well. Like I, I just, I like his game. I like his game. It's, it's funky and I enjoy it. Uh, there's no other way to say that, but I'm also realistic about it. Like I'm not bragging about being realistic. I'm, maybe that's who I am. Is that I'm kind of a pessimist. Um, he he is he has not been for most of his career someone who you could slot into. Uh, you know, and he's a rookie. We're talking 65 games of his career, a little more, 67 games of his career. Uh, like he hasn't been someone you could just slot into uh, into a role on a good team and say you're going to go you're going to go and be a productive player on this group. But part of the fun of watching young guys in a season when you're playing a bunch of developmental minutes is saying like, hey, he's getting better. And Trenton Watford absolutely has gotten better. He's been a ton of fun. The last three games have been the best basketball he has played. Like straight up, the best basketball of his career. But there isn't a future that Trenton Watford's career with the Blazers looks like this. On Monday evening, he shot 19 times. He went 9 of 19 from the floor. He just, he's he's the Blazers' second most used offensive player. Like, he's the second highest, he had this, uh, other than Hart, like, uh, Trenton had the second highest usage rate on the team. Uh, usage rate just being, like, number of possessions you finish with a shot or a turnover. Um, Trenton's not going to have that many opportunities on a good team. So when I'm watching this game, I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking of two things. Uh, one was a question that a friend of the program, Eric Griffith, posed, was like, on a good team, because Watford doesn't have that athleticism, and he has like a ceiling on his athleticism, you can get more athletic, you can get better shape. Um, some like he could probably get a little faster laterally and stuff, but you kind of are what you are at athleticism wise at this age. Like he's not going to become a leaper, I think is like a pretty fair guess. Like he's not going to become a leaper, and that's fine. He doesn't need to become a leaper, but it's like, does he? The question then becomes, does he have skill level to be an impact player? Because it's not going to be because, uh, it's it's not going to be because he's just like this. He's not Keon Johnson, right? Keon's going to get on the court because he's phenomenal physical tools. Trenton Watford is going to get on the court because of his smarts and his skills. So the question is, has his have his skills possess have his skills increased? Have his skills progressed? Was the word I'm looking for? Has his skills progressed to a point where you could say, let's slot him in on a good team? And my thoughts is my thought is basically probably. And Lamar Hurd was talking about this a bunch on the broadcast. He was talking about how when I'm watching Trenton Watford, I'm watching for these sort of little things. Now Lamar Hurd is more optimistic than me, like full stop, just period. As a person who operates in the world, Lamar has a more op- more optimistic outlook than I do on life. A rosier person, uh, perhaps, perhaps get Lamar a podcast because you would get less pessimism. But um, also, he's just a really smart basketball guy. He's been a wonderful guest in this podcast in the past. Uh, but Lamar is probably a little more, a little more of a believer in what Trenton can bring, right? And I am less of that because when I watch this game, he's not going to have the ball in his hands. It's not the 19 shots. It's the ball in his hands. It's the ability to, you know, dribble across midcourt, look around, run a dribble handoff, get it back, try to go to the post, drive to the rim, take a Euro, like a, you know, sidestep Euro step into the paint to get around someone. Like, he's going to be a complimentary part. In this game, Trenton Watford made two three-pointers, and I thought the second three-pointer he attempted, he finished, uh, he was two of four from three, and I thought the, the second three-pointer he made, rather, uh, was a per- was emblematic of why I have a little bit of concern about Trenton, but why I'm a believer that it could happen. 
Here's what happens. He's got he's playing small ball five at the time. Uh, Onyeke Okongwu, the, the Hawks backup center, is sagging off him a little bit. And the ball, is, someone drives baseline, the ball kicks out to Trenton at the top of the key or just left of the top of the key. He's a wide open catch and shoot three. And he's got four feet between Okongwu because Okongwu says, you're not a shooter and you're fast. I'm going to give you space um, because I'm not worried about the jumper. And I'm going to, and I know that you have, you know, 12 feet and in, you're a good offensive player. So I'm going to keep you 13 feet now. In this case, 22 feet now. And Watford didn't shoot it. Uh, what, what Nate Duncan used to call record scratch. He doesn't shoot it when he has a good shot. Jab step, jab step, jab step. Let's a three go swish. Great looking jumper. <laughs> Great looking jumper. Come off comes off his hands clean. Looks nice. That's a good shot. Except it's a bad process. That's bad process. He has to shoot the ball when he catches it because in the future, in, if 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 Trenton plays next year, right? He's going to come off the bench. He's going to be the power forward off the bench, and he's going to he's going to get some minutes. And he's going to be on the court with Anthony Simons, or he's going to be on the court with Damian Lord, or he's going to be on the court with both of them, or he's going to be on the court with Josh Hart and one of those two gentlemen, right? Like he's he's going to share the court with high usage, productive players on this team, and he's got to slot in in a lower usage role. And a lower usage role means taking catch and shoot shots, and it means. Some of the stuff that he does well, like he ran a dribble handoff with with Drew Eubanks in the first quarter where they ran a 4-5 handoff and uh, Trent Wofford comes hard from the corner, takes the handoff, his man's trailing because his man's kind of a more natural four. As soon as the guy helps, he throws a little pocket pass to Drew Eubanks. Not many dudes his size can make that play. That's something that's repeatable. But he's not going to get a lot of those. He's going to get three or four of those a game, not 17 like he did tonight so the opportunities are going to be smaller those catch and shoot chances have to come i think watford can be a productive player because i think he's i think he's uh i i think he's skilled enough to get there i know that a lot of people shout out to my man kevin do who's who's called him baby draymond he's not draymond green I would say that he's that Trent Watford is much more Boris Diaw for my money. He is someone with a great deal of skill, but he is going to be playing within, you know, eight inches of the ground at all times. And he's going to use his strength and his quickness and his smarts to beat people. His athleticism is going to be being quicker than people who think he's slow. Uh, like if you don't, if you don't respect him, he'll beat you with his speed. And he's strong enough that once he gets his shoulders past you, it, it's over. Uh, and Watford's touch around the rim, I think, has gotten a little bit better as he's gotten a little more confidence. But his, like, uh, he, he has he has been really impressive in his ability to, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, it's like, Trended, we need you to be the second option on offense. And Trenton Watford kind of, it, it took him a while to figure it out. And now the last three games, it's like, okay, I accept the responsibility. I know that when the ball comes to me, I have to look for my own offense. I have to score. I have to look to pass, but I have to look to get into the paint. I have to look to create an advantage, beat my man off the dribble, and then make decisions from there. That's not going to be his role on a, on another team. He's going to be a spacer. He's going to be a guy who sets screens. He's going to be a guy who defends. He's going to be like a connector, um, uh, you know, running handoffs as the screener, not the guy who's coming off the handoff. Unless they do funky stuff. Do funky stuff, Chauncey, if you're listening. Do more funky stuff. That's what I'm rooting for. But like, I'm a believer in general that Trent and Watford can be a contributor because I'm a believer in his skill set. I'm a believer in his skill level. But when you're when I am watching him play in these games, I am not skeptical. I don't think that's the right word, but I am wary of saying, 
okay, he's got it. This is all working out because when you say, okay, he's got it. This is all working out. It, there's, there's a truth to, to the role he is currently playing is nothing like he's going to play in the fall. So when you're watching him, and this is what I challenge you sort of as, as you're watching Watford, um, is one, appreciate him. He's fun as hell. Like this has been fun. Watching him grow is fun. He does so many things, blocking four shots, grabbing rebounds, uh, his ball handling, his passing, his, 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 uh, ability, if he gets to his right hand, his ability to finish around the rim, he's he's like he's good right like he's he's or he's really improved a ton but think about it like this in context of a really small usage guy a guy who's going to get limited touches and be um maybe not a, like a floor spacer but just not a, not a ton of on ball reps on ball opportunities shouts to Nikaias Duncan for the on ball reps but like the guy who's going to mostly be off the ball, how is he impactful mostly off the ball? I think he's a good cutter. I think he's a good decision maker. I think early in the year, he was a pretty good uh, decision maker as a short roll guy. He's not doing that as much now. So now when I when I do see him off the ball, when it's when it's him, he's not in the screen action, it's you know Drew Eubanks and Josh Hart, which is a funny two-man game to say out loud at this stage in the season. But when it's those two guys, what is Trendon doing to be dangerous? If he's just standing there and they're not guarding him, that's... You know, he's got to shoot it when the ball gets to him. And four, four, three, four three-point attempts tonight, great number. Let's Four plus. Let's say four is the minimum for Trendon if you're you're talking about a, like a good process for him going forward. But then it's, it's cutting, it's offensive rebounding, and it's doing little things that I think he can do and I think he can do well. But the high usage stuff, the 19 shot attempts, all those things, like that's... That's not what he's. That's not what he's going to do when he's playing on a good team. So there's less. That data is less valuable. He could play. Like he could play. He's he's shown that he could be an NBA contributor. I think he is a back half of the rotation contributor on most teams at this point. And I think he has you know twelve more games or so to show that he can show that he can really really and truly get there. Uh, We'll see. But when I'm watching Trendon, I want to see those little connector plays more than I want to see him like take over the offense and run pick and rolls and be the ball handler and pick and roll. That stuff's fun as hell, but it's not as it doesn't translate as well to next year. And, um, you know, I, I think and I think Lamar pointed this out on the broadcast. There are moments when you see it from Trendon and it's like, oh, that's going to be helpful. That ball handling, that pass, that read on defense, that help, that, you know, like there are moments then you see it. And I'm going to be looking for those little connector moments as we move forward as sort of proof of concept of Trenton Watford, high level role player for next season. Let's come back, talk a little bit about next season, or at least the future in the third segment. Uh, Let's check in on the standings. The Blazers lost tonight. They've They've now lost six of seven to come out of the all-star break mission accomplished but they're not getting as much help as you might like from teams around them as other bad teams also continue to lose so let's check in on the blazers race to the bottom of the standings to close out the show but first let me tell you about rockauto.com it's a family business that's been serving auto part customers for over 20 years they specialize in helping do-it-yourselvers because they save you time and they save you money like real money 30 50 100 percent more than if you go to a chain auto parts store or if you go to a dealership they just they are not set up to save you money and they're not set up to have all the parts you need but rock auto doesn't have walls they are a website they can carry all the parts no matter the make no matter the model you're going to find it and you're going to find it cheaper so why don't you go to their website right now check out rockauto.com see all the parts available for your car or truck and while you're there write locked on in there how did you hear about us box that way they know we they know that we sent you rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need 
Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked Blazers. Good loss. A good, fun loss. Give it to him. We talked Trenton Watford, a guy who I straight up really enjoy watching and hope he grows into the high-level role player that I believe he can be. And I think we've seen enough from Trenton to think, that's real. That that could legitimately happen. I think that I think that's real for sure. What I want to do to close the show is check in on the standings. As I'm recording this, let me just like let me be totally clear. The Sacramento Kings are up 10 in the fourth quarter. They're up 20 at halftime. It's hard to believe in the Kings, but I <laughs> but timing-wise, I need to get kind of needed to get this podcast out. I couldn't I couldn't believe in them. So I'm gonna I couldn't wait for them and and I'm not a believer in them is maybe the more accurate way to say that. So um what what we're gonna do is is dangerously assume that the Kings win. If they didn't win, you can just do the math. <laughs> Subtract half a game from all the math from the standings talk I'm doing. But we're gonna assume that the Kings go ahead, they hold off the Bulls up 20 at halftime. They hold off the Bulls who uh Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Alex Russo and Nikola Vucevic played. This is a straight up good win by the Kings, and that is good news for your Portland Trailblazers. Great news. Kings win, fly that pennant. Kings, Kings, Kings. It's hard to root for the Kings. It's hard to root for the Kings if you're a longtime Sacramento fan, and it's hard to invest any emotional capital in the Kings doing you a solid. That's winning when they need to win <laughs> for for anyone involved. The Blazers need them to win. Good luck. Uh, but as Portland loses, they still are ahead of both San Antonio and Sacramento in the standings. Uh, the, the Sacramento Kings or excuse me, the San Antonio Spurs lost tonight to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns scored 60 points. Uh, he, he was uh, balling a very limited defense, or at least extremely high scoring. Didn't watch the game. I was watching the Blazers game, so I'll have to catch it later, at least to catch the highlights of my man Cat going for 60. My goodness, 60 and 17. But the San Antonio Spurs lost. That's bad news for the Blazers. Uh, the Blazers are now uh, a full game clear of San Antonio. Uh, if the Blazers lose and, and the uh, the Spurs had been able to pull out that game in Minnesota. You're talking about a half game. Blazers still played the Spurs three times. You're in good position. I, the, I think the Blazers, you know, those three games against the Spurs, the Blazers lose those three games that remaining on the schedule. They're going to jump behind the Spurs in the standings. They lose two out of three. They're going to jump behind the Spurs in the standings. I think they're fine catching catching the Spurs, catching them by losing games. The the Kings, it's going to be a little trickier. Like, I think it's possible. Uh, the Blazers are only one back in the in the, in the the win column. Or the, but... Kings already have 45 losses, uh, Blazers only have 41, like, it's certainly doable, certainly doable, and the Blazers, assuming, again, assuming the Kings win tonight, uh, Blazers only have a two and a half game lead, uh, so certainly they could catch, uh, Sacramento, but it's, it's getting harder all of the time, like, it's, it, it truly, truly is getting, getting more difficult all the time, and, and the other team I'm tracking here, uh, I don't think the true bottom of the standings, Detroit, Houston, Oklahoma City, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but it's, I'll keep an eye on it. If the Blazers really committed to this and really start losing, they won, they won a game against the Wizards and it's like, oh, they're not going to lose every single game this year, then maybe the dream is dead. But, uh, you know, they still play Houston and OKC a couple times. Uh, I think both of those teams twice remaining in the, the schedule at the end of this month. It could happen. If you really believe it could happen, uh, Blazers are probably going to need a little more help. OKC got throttled today by the Charlotte Hornets, who aren't very good. So, 
uh, again, unlikely that they're going to fall all the way in the standing. So the other team we're really tracking here is the Indiana Pacers, and and the Pacers are four games clear. They have a four games, uh, four game edge on the Blazers. The Blazers are four games ahead of them in the standings, even though we're talking about going backwards. It's a little bit confusing, but Blazers are four games ahead of the Pacers. That's going to be tough. Um, you know, the the you want to root for Indiana to win. You want to root for my man Isaiah Jackson. You want to get in there for Dwayne Washington Jr. And you want to root for those, you know, Chris Duarte for my Ducks fans out there. Like you want to root for those guys to win. The Bla- if if they if if you know if Indiana wins three out of four and the Blazers go zero and four, you're in you're in business. Like it could happen. But the Pacers are not particularly good. They're you know they're also they they're playing young guys, developmental minutes. Uh, they're beat up by injuries, all those things. Um, they're it's gonna be tough. Four games is tough. I think the Kings is doable. I don't think it's very likely. Um, I mentioned this last time and a lot of you said, like, it's that, it's actually closer than you think. I just don't believe in the Kings. <laughs> like, that's the math I'm doing, is that I'm looking at the standings and I'm saying, the Kings also stink. Like, they're just not going to do it. Um, and the Spurs aren't going for it. Like, the Spurs are only two and a half games behind the Pelicans. At one point, they were just a game back. Uh, you know, they beat the Jazz in, in the... Um, to get Popovich the all-time wins record, I think there's a little little boost there to beat the Jazz. San Antonio sat just a game back of New Orleans, and you started to believe San Antonio is going to jump into tenth. New Orleans is going to fall out of the play-in. Everything's going to come up roses for the Blazers. It's going to be perfect. San Antonio's just—they're playing young guys. They're just playing a bunch of developmental minutes. Like they're just—they're not. Um, if they, you know, they're basically saying like, regardless of what happens, it's cool. If we make the play-in, cool. If we don't also cool because like they're not flat out tanking they're just kind of like going through their process of let's get young guys minutes let's make sure we get a bunch of young guys minutes and and do what we do and making sure that those guys get on the floor and if we win great wonderful byproduct if we lose also great we'll just get another higher draft pick and keep it moving like they're not the blazers are aggressively tanking the spurs have a worse record and they're just kind of like they're just playing with the roster that they have um they didn't have as far to sink i guess the blazers did but like it's it's going to be like san antonio it's it, it'll be tough for them to catch new orleans new orleans again with you know without cj mccollum for an extended period without brandon ingram it's a lot of Jonas valanciunas um it's a lot of jose alvarado it's you know herb jones has to be really good for them to be good and i I like JV is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, Herb Jones has been a, just a revelation as a rookie, someone who I did not know about. And then not, now I really enjoy um, Jose Alvarado had a freaking six steal game the other night. Uh, dude's a legend, basically better than Chris Paul at this point, <laughs> better Pelicans career than Chris Paul. Um, no, like they're just, they're a little low on talent. So like certainly the Spurs could be right there, but two and a half back with this many left, like the, if the Pelicans ever do get healthy, if CJ comes back, you know, after missing only five games with after a week off they could be in business they could they could really be in business uh just to hold them off i i think the most likely scenario is the standings basically hold as they are i, I think i guess there is a wild card scenario where the lakers just the bottom falls out because they just look like a miserable bunch but even then like are they going to fall behind new orleans and san antonio in the process like they've got a comfortable lead i don't think so so while there are all those moving parts the real thing that you're rooting for is the Blazers are currently in 11th place. I think realistically you're watching these games and they could fall to 13th. They could fall to the, they could fall to, uh, to, to have the seventh worst record in the league, like, or excuse me, sixth worst record in the league. Uh, you know, they're, like I said, a, a game up on San Antonio, um, 
two and a half up on Sacramento, a four on Indiana. I don't think they're catching Indiana for the first record in the league. I think San Antonio is basically a lock. I think the Blazers are going to finish seven with the seventh worst record. Almost certainly Sacramento is a, is a toss up. The Kings have lost four straight um, prior to tonight where they won. So they've won after a four game losing streak. Cause we're recording this into, we're recording this in the future, speaking into existence. It's actually a one point game with eight minutes left. And as we record this, let's say the Kings lose. They're still a three game lead. We're erase everything you just heard. It's a one point game. Kings blew a 20 point lead at halftime. They never do you any favors. That's why I didn't want to record this damn podcast, but timing is timing. So it's either two and a half or three games on, on the Kings, whatever it is, it's, or two and a half or three and a half games on the Kings, whatever it is, they're going to be tougher to catch. I think seventh, the, I think the seventh worst record in the NBA, which would give the Blazers the 31% chance of getting a top four pick, 31.9. So that's, excuse me, 32% chance of getting a top four pick and a seven and a half percent chance of getting the number one overall pick pretty darn good is, is almost a lock. Like I think they're going to finish with a worse record than San Antonio J- jumping up to the, to the sixth worst record and catching the Kings would give, would give Portland a 37.2% chance of getting a top four pick and a 9% chance of getting number oh, number nine overall. That sixth worst record is juicy and wonderful, but you cannot count on the Kings because they are pro losers. The reason that they're so bad at this is because the Kings always and perpetually have the sixth worst record in the NBA, never the worst record and never a good one perpetually and all the sixth worst record in the league so they're going to freaking do it that's your check-in that's what's happening with the blazers watch trenna watford appreciate what he can be as a role player uh blazers continue with two games in new york this week uh wednesday they play the knicks uh Friday, they played the Brooklyn Nets. But before all that, we got a ton of fun and a ton of fun guests. Tomorrow's show, Candace Cooper, host of Locked on ACC, is going to come on to talk about ACC guys who could be in uh, in the draft, and specifically Paolo Bancaro and A.J. Griffin, two guys who could be, you know, Paolo Bancaro is going to be top three pick. A.J. Griffin is going to be in the Blazers draft range, a wing who could help. Uh, Candace has watched has watched Duke closely and, and is going to be uh, a wonderful, a wonderful source of information on all things ACC guys come to the league. So make sure you come back for that one. The, the next show. So that is, that is a Wednesday show, Candace Cooper, Thursday show, Raphael Barlow, the, uh, the director of scouting for Chad Ford's big board and the host of locked on NBA draft. And also the founder of DraftJunkies.com. just Someone who does this professionally, Raphael Barlow, um, friend of the program, is going to join the show. That'll be Thursday's show. And Friday's show, it's going to be pretty fun. Brooke Olsendam of Blaze Broadcasting is going to join us. That's three interviews to end the week. We got a whole bunch of fun. We'll talk about the Knicks game. Come back, tell your friends, bring your friends with you, watch the YouTube channel together, make it your first listen every day, five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.